Welcome to the Speaks Exchange podcast with your host, Donald Taylor. As a renowned learning and development industry expert, as well as chairman of the Learning and Performance Institute, Donald sits down with experts from around the globe to talk business communication, learning technology, language, digital transformation, and engaging, upskilling, and reskilling your organization. This podcast is brought to you by Speaks, the first intelligent language learning platform for the digital workplace. Listen in and you might learn a thing or two. Welcome to this episode of the Speaks Exchange podcast with me, your host, Donald Taylor, and I have with us today, Micha Kulcha, who is the Frontline Training and Development Lead at Moll Group, which you may not have heard of, but is an extensive retail operation throughout Central and Eastern Europe. And Micha will tell us more about that in a minute. And we're here today to hear Micha's great story about implementing digital support for learning, not in an office, but with frontline staff, largely blue collar, people who are working, getting their hands dirty in gas or petrol retail stations and service stations. Not necessarily how you'd expect or where you'd expect a digital learning implementation to take place. So, Mitya, great to have you with us. Welcome to the episode. Can you say something about yourself? Can you let us know where you're from? What's, what's your background? Yeah, thanks for the invitation, Don. I'm flattered to be here. From the beginning of my career, my heart belongs to retail, and I found my passion in helping frontline employees to become the best of themselves. And I think I progressed through all of major areas in retail in the last 13 years, starting from from being a retail associate during my college time, leading a store, then also progressed to the regional sales manager. And somehow on the way, I landed in frontline training. Today, I lead global retail training and development, sitting in the retail business division, as opposed to maybe more conventional setup of learning and training being usually part of HR. Mm. And with my team, we serve 15,000 employees that work on our almost 2,000 petrol stations or how we call them service stations uh, in our organization that are dispersed across uh, nine countries uh, in Central and Eastern Europe. And we are based in Budapest. It's a very distributed workforce that you've got. That You've got something like six, seven, eight people in the service stations. In some places, you'll have far fewer than that. And that brings with it its own challenges, plus the fact you've got really different cultures, haven't you, in these different territories that you're in. It's not as if it's in, I don't know, England, Scotland and Wales. These org- these countries speak different languages and have, have deeply different cultures, don't they? Yeah, exactly. I think if we're talking about the scale, then we are dispersed from uh, Montenegro, uh, Bosnia, up to Slovakia and Czechia. And uh, maybe even if we see maybe our story from a different perspective or to give you more context, more Group is an integrated oil and gas company. And so, as mentioned before, I'm from the retail division. And in 2015, we started business transformation where we realized that uh, we also have to expand our station, our station network, mainly by acquisitions. Uh, and on the other hand, we also wanted to switch from primarily selling the fuel to enhance the non-fuel business as well. And what I mean by that is that we started to modernize the look and feel of our stations. Uh, but what is the most important is that we were extending uh, the offer for our customers. So we started to sell things like fresh food, uh, sandwiches, hot dogs, um, fresh coffee, and uh, all of the other sort of services too. And this part went pretty well, but then 
I would say the reality hit us uh, when we realized that we also have to support 15,000 frontline employees um, that were on one hand, the first human touch point with our brand. But on the other hand, as we talked before, seven different cultures, seven different languages, uh, nine countries, 10 entities. Uh, so the complexity was, was really hard. And having said that, imagine an employee on a petrol station before 2015, who was primarily helping customers to fuel up their cars, stock the shelves, being the cashier, uh, most of the time. But today, in just a couple of years, the same employee also prepares fresh sandwiches, comply with a bunch of HACCP standards, makes cappuccinos, and so on and so forth, and uh, even smile and uh, be nice to customers. So it, it, it changed uh, drastically. So we are bringing enorm enormous complexity into this role, not only from a new process point of view, but also behavior change, uh, new skills and, and building on their performance. I mean, I can say that we did this transformation um, and we successfully shifted, um, but how we did it was actually with also a help of the learning technology and, and this digital transformation. You explain it very well because there's no reason why somebody who fills a car with petrol can't make sandwiches, but it's not why they joined that particular line of work in the first place. And that little bit you said that made me laugh about smiling to customers, it's not necessarily what you associate with the guy in the garage or the woman in the garage who's filling your petrol, filling your car with petrol. Sometimes they'll do a great job, but not always. And yet if you're in the direct service line, that's absolutely essential. It's not just how do you make a cappuccino, it's how do you make a cappuccino, serve it with a smile, upsell somebody from a regular to a large and have them walking out the door thinking that they've had a great experience and they want to come back. And that's a big change from just asking if they want the tank full. So you said that the key to making this implementation was the, you, you couldn't have done it without the learning technology, but the learning technology, although it was necessary, it wasn't sufficient by itself, was it? Who did you have to get on board and how did you, how, what did you have to do to make sure that it was implemented well? Because trust me, I've, in my years in this business, I've seen lots of learning technology implementations that have failed. What did you do to get it right? That, that's, that's a great summary, which you did. <laughs> uh, and I think we really went through, through these kind of stages. But the first thing which was important uh, to highlight, I would say, is that uh, in order to support them when we started the transformation was that first we implemented a face-to-face -face training program back in 2017, uh, which, which uh, we still use. But through after delivering that program for two years, which was mainly a focus on the soft skills and why we do this transformation yeah. uh, and why we have to behave different to the so Just to be clear, just to be clear, you're, 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 you're delivering face-to-face -face training across 2,000 locations. Yes, we usually um, rent some, some meeting rooms and then we um, have big logistical um, <laughs> challenges uh, to right. move 15,000 people uh, to those locations. So this was also one of the learnings in, in those two and a half years after we uh, kicked off this face-to-face -face training. As mentioned, we were focusing mainly on the soft skills and why we have to change and how to serve the customer, why smiling is important and so on. But through those two and a half years, we also learned a lot in terms of that we were not agile because on one hand, we were delivering something, for instance, in Hungary, where we have um, more than 3000 uh, employees working on the stations, we needed more than one and, a half, one and a half year just to do one round. But we are retail, so people change. Uh, fluctuation is higher than, than, than in other industries. It was somehow inevitable to start thinking, okay, but how we can enhance this, how we can also provide trainings on the products, on the services, on the processes, which were 
being implemented actually uh, every month, there was something new. Uh, and also on the other hand, employees were asking for more trainings from, from these areas because there was actually, and what was existing was, uh, let's say, manuals, um, standard operating procedures, uh, but who reads 50 or 100 pages? <laughs> Nobody. So having said that, we actually started to ask ourselves uh, these potentially scary questions. What actually we have to achieve right. in order to overcome these challenges? Right. Who are the stakeholders here? Um, what are the other problems which we have identified uh, over the last uh, few years? And um, when we had all of these answers, this is where we started to actually developing the concept, how the learning technology can help. This was at the end, a no-brainer that we that, that we have to move uh, into this way. But you also asked me what was one of the the main challenges. What was most important? It was it was yes. uh, the stakeholder management. It's because the technology will never do it by itself. You, you, you obviously you you need to, <laughs> you need to get people on board with that. Now, you've, I'm guessing that an organisation that has traditionally sold petrol and serviced cars is not one that's necessarily technologically dynamic. What was the reaction of the rest of the group when you said we're going to change from face-to-face training to a digital solution? Were they positive and enthusiastic? I would say that on on the top level, it was um, accepted very well. But when I was progressing through through the organization, I think I had uh, quite many stoppers uh, on the way. Even uh, to be be, uh, frank with my own team on the local levels as well. Not everyone believed that what was the vision uh, mm. that this uh, can actually be implemented and that this can uh, solve our challenges, which we had, which we have identified. But to make our case really tangible and that we that we also prove why this is uh, meaningful uh, to do this change, what we did is uh, service design research. Um, so we did uh, deep dive interviews um, with uh, on actually our top five markets. So we talked to uh, employees on the stations. We talked to the station managers. Uh, we had uh, two-hour interviews with them, uh, shadowing them on the job to really understand what are their pain points today, um, how they are solving, um, let's say, when they are faced with the questions from the customers on which they cannot react or on which they cannot answer. So this was a very valuable research, and uh, it also gave us more confidence than in the beginning because we let's say, also realize that majority of them are already using their own mobile phones for some station level chats, like um, exchanging the schedules, manager contacting them for uh, maybe some uh, work-related novelties uh, which were coming or promotions and so on. Because today uh, with with our uh, transformation, um, 87% of uh, our employees are actually using their own device to access our training application. And I think that's actually great because on one hand, they had the opportunity to use the back office computer to access it. But on the other hand, it's much better if they are using it on their own, own mobile device because they can do their training or they can search for information whenever, wherever. So commuting to work or uh, in the downtime, they can just pick up the phone from their uh, pocket and uh, they can they can read the things, they can learn, they can find the job aids. Uh, at the and just to be clear, what, what you're talking about job aids, we're not talking about 20-minute courses here, are we, that d- you're delivering? Yeah, you're right. So we have the micro-learning approach. Um, so our kind of uh, daily session lasts from two to three to five minutes per day. Um, realistically, um, also the data on the platform shows uh, that this is the time what they spent. So uh, it really fits into their workflow. And uh, this is one of the important learnings that when we were searching for 
the solution, it was um, important for us that we find really something that fits into their workflow. Now, they, they needed to find something to, to fit their workflow. And yeah, our solution is based on the micro learning. So the, the whole experience which they have on a daily level um, is uh, around three to five minutes per day. Um, and we are um, monitoring this every day uh, if this uh, changes. Um, and also our research, which we did, as, a, as I mentioned before, showed us that this is the way um, how, we, how we should uh, approach our uh, training. Because on one hand, these employees are blue colors, as you mentioned in the beginning. Mm. So they are a desktop workforce. They cannot sit uh, in front of the computer, but rather they have a downtime um, when they can, they can do something in the meanwhile. Um, and also, if you are looking from our beginnings, when they were, when they were um, having the trainings in the meeting rooms and they were traveling somewhere, it was better that we come to them, to the stations, rather than pulling them away from the workplace. And also, I mean, just from OPEC's perspective, uh, imagine 15,000 people to, to, to move them logistically to different locations. Um, that's quite, quite of a challenge also, not only in, in, from the logistical point of view, but also from the OPEX point of view. So we're also talking about quite many OPEX savings. And you mentioned the word agile earlier. Of course, everyone mentions the word agile. Everyone likes to think they're agile. But in retail, this is really important to be able to respond quickly. If you're trying to get 15,000 people to go somewhere to get trained, you might be able to touch base with them once or twice a year, but your retail lines change faster than that, don't they? So if you want to, I don't know, a new product comes out, you want to be able to get the whole workforce aware of it within, let's say, a month, don't you? Exactly. And uh, when we had, when we were just focusing from the from a face-to-face perspective, uh, that, was, uh, that was a nightmare because on one hand, we had, uh, you know, a channel. So we had a team of trainers who were on the field and training the people. They had a program which they had to follow. But on the other hand, uh, a constant kind of pleas were coming uh, from the head office. Oh, can you also include this in the training? Because it's coming now and it will be important. Uh, so these were um, the challenges with which we actually didn't know how to cope. And I'm also happy that we didn't let this to happen and that we were following our path, which we have defined as a uh, best face-to-face training, uh, um, which we have, and rather finding the solution how we can uh, really show the agility and not just do something for the sake of doing. And this is where the digital or the learning technology comes in because it can really help us not only to train people uh, about the new things which are coming into, into their workplace, but also how to communicate with them differently. Again, if we are talking about deskless workforce uh, dispersed on almost 2,000 locations, how we communicated with them before was with one email per station. And if we have on average eight, nine people on the station, that's actually impossible that everybody would read the emails. Yeah. It was mainly about the station managers. Yeah. And we have around 1,500 station managers. But then... You know, when we are sharing uh, operational updates or the promotions which are coming, we can just cross the fingers that 15,000 station managers will, will, will share the same information to, to 15,000 people. Yeah. So yeah, op- from operational point of view, a big challenge and agility is crucial here, as you mentioned before. Let's just go back to something you mentioned earlier. You said that not all the stakeholders, meaning the, the, the higher ups, were necessarily keen or could see the use of the digital. But, but you said that actually most of them did, but you got some resistance from your own training team. So can you talk about that and 
and how have they adjusted to it and what have you done to use them in a different way? I think that the key approach um, which we used here was uh, that we started with a small test. So we did a pilot first. We had clear concept. Uh, we had a clear um, um, implementation plan from a communication um, perspective as well. So what was the pre-communication, large communication, post-communication, uh, post-communication change management approach. And we did, we did it on our smallest market with around 350 employees for three mm -hmm. months. And we were really closely monitoring what is happening. So what are their feedbacks? Um, how are they using uh, the application? When are they using the application? Um, collecting all of the feedbacks. And um, I can say that we had a constant more than 90% participation on the platform. We also had seen that the, the employees are logging in to the platform actually every day when at work. And it was something, A, very new for them, B, it was modern, and C, uh, it helped them solve the problems which they had um, um, uh, at work. Um, and I would add one more thing, because um, in our case, it's not only about the trainings, but it's also about the communication. And I think that the combination of both mm. uh, is perfect. Yeah. As I mentioned before, we were not having um, a direct communication channel with them before, but now we had kind of a perfect solution. I love this as a really well thought out and implemented learning technology solution. You've gone out, you've done your uh, service design, you've done your pilot, you've got your stakeholders on board. You know what it is that people are doing in their jobs and how to support them to do a better job in the future. But the killer question is always, so what? Did it make a difference to the business? Did it change what you were trying to change? So did it help make the transformation of Mole from a straightforward gas pumping organization to something that does more sandwiches, coffee, and so on? And did it make a difference to the bottom line? And were you even able to check that, Mitya? I, I, I knew that probably we'll come to this question. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, um, also uh, many people were, uh, were, were curious about what will happen yeah. with that. Because at the beginning, again, if we are seeing from, from that period when uh, we had quite many non-believers, they maybe have, have seen this um, um, new addition as uh, something fun uh, to have at work uh, because yeah. um, the, the, the platform which we are using also uh, applies gamification elements. Uh, so it looked like just, you know, a game at work, but actually it's more uh, than that. And yes, uh, after six months um, of implementing it globally, we can see the results because whatever we do in terms of content design, we definitely link everything to uh, business targets and, and the KPIs. So looking from perspective, what we, what we have seen as, uh, as the first results was uh, to have a reality check on what is actually the baseline knowledge uh, on right. our strategically important uh, products uh, and services. And it was uh, interesting to see how low it was. Uh, on one hand, it was a shock, uh, but on the other hand, um, at least for me at the beginning, it was uh, a winning moment because this is how I could prove um, the, the importance, uh, why we are doing what we are doing. Can you just and, explain, uh, can, sorry, Mitra, can you just explain for a second, what is, what is a, the strategic product for you? I mean, it doesn't sound very complicated. Perhaps to our listeners, you've got, you've got some petrol. How much do you need to know about petrol? Well, I'm there being, is quite I'm many being trivial, obviously. 
complicated, but it clearly is complicated. But can you explain a bit? There is quite quite many things, um, especially if we're talking about what is the difference between the main grid and uh, the premium fuel. Right. So how to actually explain uh, in those very fast conversation on the on the uh, on the cash register with the customer why they should try the premium next time and how this will help to their car uh, and 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 to the car performance. Um, so this is one example. So the majority of transactions are, are fuel. But as I mentioned before, we are also switching to the non-fuel business. Yeah. I mean, we switched. We have a strategic product, which is premium fuel as opposed to regular fuel. And you were saying that you establish a baseline of knowledge. And you thought actually that baseline was lower than you'd expected yeah yeah exactly it was uh, it was actually low and as mentioned before we were pretty surprised but over the period of time when we started to increase the knowledge with the help of the platform what we have seen is that the confidence and the knowledge uh, about what are those main features and benefits of premium fuel and how uh, the employees can uh, communicate uh, about uh, these benefits with the customers actually showed or reflected in uh, increased premium fuel share sales. And uh, this is one of the most important areas for our business. Um, on the other hand, we are also having a lot of promotions on a monthly level uh, and, and marketing campaigns. And what we've learned in the past is that it was not enough if we communicated only once at the beginning of the campaign um, with, with our employees on the stations, what is the aim of the campaign and what they should do, because simply it's not enough. And what we can do today is that we can communicate on a weekly or, or bi-weekly basis about highlighting those key learning points, about those key learning, uh, those key messages, um, which are important in communication with the customers, but also what are those potential questions which customers may ask so they are, again, confident and knowledgeable when they have to react. I like the point you made there about the need to communicate as well. You're not just saying to them, the super fuel has got these ingredients. But you're also telling them, in that 30 seconds at the cash register, here's how you communicate it to have an impact. And I clearly, that worked. Well, I say clearly, can you tell us something about the results? Whatever you can expose, obviously, is a commercially sensitive thing. But you mentioned that sales went up. Yes, I mean, they, they, there were many implications which we can pull out in, in which we actually invested in the last year in terms of content design. Obviously, the fuel was one of the main areas which we covered. But on the other hand, we also uh, did a reinforcement of, of our face-to-face -face program where we were focusing on soft skills and how to serve the customers uh, in a more way. And this was also important because in our researches, which we do on a yearly level, twice, we usually is that we have seen also the growth in how the customers perceived us from the perspective of being competent and being kind. So these stats went up in the majority of markets, and it was also uh, connected to uh, training impact. So it wasn't just knowledge. It wasn't just immediate sales. It was also perception of Moll itself as a brand that these people who are the front line had conveyed to your customers, the competence, the sense of being kind. That is brilliant. I'm fascinated that it was possible to do that. One last question, and I don't know if you've even got the data on this, Mitya, but what about the people themselves? Did they stay longer? Was there less turnover of staff as a result of the training program? 
or do they have no effect? That's a good question. And I will, I mean, we will dig deeper to this area uh, this year, definitely. Last year was, you know, a different year. Um, so everything mm. uh, has yeah. changed. So I think that there were many factors uh, which could uh, impact this. So we haven't actually measured anything in this way. On one hand, because we are planning to develop the onboarding uh, of the new hires during this year, which we could then connect um, with a longer tenure, for instance. But as mentioned before, uh, last year was all around the pandemics. So this was not in scope or... Um, yeah, but what it's, I can it's kind, confirm, of diff- kind of difficult to compare any yeah. data when you've got such exceptional circumstances, yeah. But I could, but what I can say, actually, also from my kind of uh, personal passion uh, about the frontline is that I would say in general they are uh, usually uh, undervalued and also underserved. So with this approach we show them more opportunity uh, in terms of taking care about them um, and also giving them something new which is not really available um, in, in our region. Talking to them when I go and fuel my car and uh, always asking them for the feedback, what do they like, uh, what what, do they, what they don't like and what they would like to change, I'm actually getting most of the positive feedbacks. There are really not much uh, things which they are highlighting as, as negative feedback. And what they also emphasize a lot is that they feel valued. We were also able to drive the pandemic situation very well with the help of the technology because we could send the messages through the through this platform in those difficult times and to really make sure that they stay healthy, uh, that they stay they, they stay safe. Mitya, thank you so much. This is I've been making notes while you've been talking, even though I've heard this story from you, I don't know, four or five times. But each time I learn something new, I love this idea that in spending three to five minutes a day with you can transform them as part of an organization. You can increase sales. You can make them feel probably happier about what they're doing. But I also think that last point of yours is really important that probably it's most effective if you really care about these people. If you have, as you said right at the beginning, a passion for retail, and I would say probably a passion for the people who are involved in it. I think that may have made more of a difference. Your personal commitment may have made more of a difference to this program than than, uh, you might be saying here. But it's great to hear about this this transformation you've done. And thank you for sharing the, the detail of it. Some last questions that we ask every guest, Mitya. Two questions. Firstly, what do you wish that you'd known when you started in learning and development? Actually, not knowing many things was, uh, was for me, a motivational driver that, that was inspiring to discover all of these new perspectives. I said before that I, what I think was right, what we did uh, was a good stakeholder management because we did uh, really a thorough preparation. But still, what I wish I knew is uh, to expect... Uh, that I would have to repeat my pitches uh, over and over again and putting the effort in the buy-in across the organization. I might even say I was not really prepared for so many funny looks when I was explaining the vision of what we would like to achieve with going into mobile training and so on. And even to me, sometimes I started not to actually believe uh, in the vision. Um, I'm happy that we continued and uh, that we are here where we are today. But I would say there is one more. Actually, it's... um, understanding what is what was or what is available on the market uh, from learning technology point of view and to have someone to talk to and to understand that actually our retail challenges were because talking to at least 15 to 20 vendors uh, there on the market there were not really many who understood the blue collar population 
which is different. And I think we also have to look at it from a different perspective. Just um, from from technical point of view, they are not sitting at the desk and not having a computer uh, at work. Um, so the approach is totally different compared to the white colors. So this is the area where I think also struggled very much because I was not sure what is the what is the right option. But on the other hand, I'm happy that we did all of these uh, researches before so that we, that we really made sure we understand who is our learner, who is our employee and uh, what he or she really needs. My observation would be that perhaps not having a learning and development background, but a retail background really helped you. And if you'd been had a training background, you might have come in with some assumptions that would have stopped you being affected. I think going out and discovering the situation, asking the questions from your stakeholders and from from your frontline staff probably helped you develop a great solution. Final question, what are you curious about at the moment, professionally, in your in your work? So what comes next? What are you curious about? Yeah, before we were talking about also behavior change. And I think this is one of the very interesting topics for me. So how to better support the behavior change with a combination of uh, training design and communication. And what I mean here is designing courses or how to design the courses where we will be actually considering how to evoke reactions and feelings in the learners. The latter one actually comes from uh, as an inspiration from reading a book that really made me think differently about uh, learning and design. Um, it's the How People Learn by Nick Shackleton-Jones. I, I really think it's a great book. The other one will be how to set up an efficient onboarding journey uh, to speed up the time the new hire employees need to become efficient and and operational. We have a very good base, as mentioned before, before from the research which we did last year. But this year, the great challenge will be how to really put this into the place and how to really design the content that will perfectly fit and be efficient. And third one, I would say dig deeper into the data which we are getting from the platform and uh, how to utilize utilize it with a meaningful interpretation because we do our best uh, to really tight every e-learning course which we do on the platform that is connecting to the to some business goal and the KPIs and there are so much things which we can pull out already from the platform but now how to really make it in a smart way because you can really become uh, overwhelmed, overwhelmed very quickly. As someone who loves dealing with data, I, I can tell you that once you go down that journey, it can be quite addictive. You, you find correlations, you then start asking more questions and it never finishes. But this has been a fascinating conversation. I really thank you for sharing your, your observations and your experiences and <laughs> the issues I loved. And we've talked about it before. I, I, the expression on your face, which of course the guys on the podcast listening can't, can't see, but the expression on your face when you talked about having to repeat yourself again and again and again. I think when we talked before, you said it was 150 times just trying to get your message across to people, telling them. And you did it. And you made this transformation. Mitya Kulchar from Mold Group, thank you so much. Really inspirational story of how it is possible to connect people online, to develop them, and to have great Thank you so much for coming. Thanks, God, for inviting me.